Welcome to the Tea Migos Podcast, the show where we talk life while enjoying tea. Today, I talked with Amy Andes. Amy is the founder of Bonzo Butter. She's also a PhD candidate studying food science and technology at Ohio State University. Bonzo Butter is a garbanzo bean butter brand aimed at giving people within the top eight allergenic food groups another option to enjoy their food. Amy and I discussed tea, the Bonzo Butter journey, food science, and more. Check out the butter at bonzobutterbrand.com or on Instagram at bonzobutterbrand and enjoy the show. Amy Andes, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. How are you? So good. So good. It's so nice to see you. It's been so long. Um, it's really been the longest time ever. I think I saw mm-hmm. you right before the pandemic mm-hmm. at a at a birthday party in Chicago, yeah. but neither yep. of us live in Chicago, so that was random. <laughs> it was it was very random. I, I w- remember I surprised everybody for that party. Um, just I happened to be in town, and I forget who told me about that because that was for shout out to Stephanie Milkovich if you're listening <laughs> shout out to you it was for her birthday and I was like you know what I'm I'm close by I'll just stop in and it's been it's been a while since I've seen these people yeah, so no, it, it was, was good good reunion yes yeah it was really nice really fun but yeah and then right afterwards things crazy things happened and so and here we are a year later talking it's weird it's weird to think back to that like we were we well the group went out to Wrigleyville um and you were you're just so close to people mm-hmm. and just to even think about being that close to people right now is just it's a different it's a different era yes yeah i think i was uh just having a conversation on another show on another podcast and it's the 2020 has been such a big pivot point i think in people's lives and there's not there's not going to be going back to what it used to be. It's just going to be kind of the adapting to what it is now mm-hmm. and building from there. And that's, uh, yeah, it's just kind of what 2020 did to us. And that's the beauty of humans, though, is we're pretty resilient and pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good at doing that. For sure. Yeah. Humans and entrepreneurs in general. <laughs> exactly. You, you feel the resiliency after a while. Exactly, exactly. So I like to always ta- start this by talking a little bit about tea. And now I know you're not the biggest tea drinker, but what's your tea experience? Um, So I have just never been a huge fan of like, this is going to sound so weird, but like liquids. Like I, <laughs> like, I love water. I love lemonade. Um, I used to be like a really unhealthy child and drink coca-cola and sprite and everything all the time Mm -hmm. um but then as i got like older in high school and college and now i like specifically only drink water um it's it's not even like the preference it's just like easiest um but basically i feel like tea is just like mildly flavored water sometimes yeah um and so i don't necessarily like crave it or like go out of my way to have people at the restaurant bring me that huge board of uh, Mm -hmm. tea bags to like pick which one you want. Um, But I have sort of, um, I have sort of gotten more accustomed to tea over time. At first I didn't like the taste. Now there's some like really fruity ones that I'm into. Um, I know 
that like if one of my friends has one and I try, I'll try it. Um, I, I love the the old samples at Tivana, like when you're mm. in the mall. Yes, I don't know if they yeah. still do samples anymore, but I know. Um, that's sort of been my tea experience, and it, it's similar with coffee. I don't like coffee, yeah. um, but it's sort of growing on me as time goes on. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, what's your What's your pick me up, or do you not need a pick me up? Are you one of those people who gets up and just boom right at <sighs> no, it? No, I I always joke about this because my whole family just loves to sleep. But um, I always told people like sleep is my pick me up and that's how I get energy. Mm -hmm. Um, However, right before the pandemic, I um, started having insane sleep issues where like I would only get three to four hours of sleep a night. Um, I was really like tired um, throughout the day. I was sort of just like a robot doing all of my tasks, but like not having emotions or feeling because I was so tired. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, so I thought that I had a sleeping disorder. um, And so sort of a month after that started happening, the pandemic happened. And then um, sort of the last year has been me doing sleep studies and seeing if I do have a sleep disorder, um, which they cannot confirm at this point, because during all the sleep studies, I get too much anxiety and I never like actually sleep, which is (laughs) defeats the purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, usually I would say my pick me up sleep, but, um, sort of the last year it's been, it's been just kind of, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I've had a pick me up. I've just kind of made myself keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a fortitude in that and that's uh, and good for you for being able to, um, I got a question with those sleep studies or do they like hook you up? Like, to yeah. Stuff? So like, I looked like yeah. a robot. Um, yeah. I, it was kind of freaky looking like if my dog had seen me, he probably would have like started barking. <laughs> um, but for the first one, um, it was like an overnight sleep study and they like hook you up to everything. Um, and they like hook up your legs to these sensors because some people have restless leg syndrome, which is Mm -hmm. really just what it sounds like. Um, And then a ton on your head with this, Mm -hmm. like they put it on with like wax. Um, And then there's also breathing apparatus that, that like they put in your nose. Um, And I think that was the weirdest part for me because like, I don't know how they expect people to sleep with that if they're not used to it. Um, So, and also you can't really, move into many positions. So like I sleep on my stomach, that was not necessarily easy to do with all of those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. And if any of them pop off, the the person that's helping you like has to come back, turn on the lights, re oh, re-put it in. Um, and it, it was just, it was a conundrum. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the second one I had less hookup things okay. on, on me, but it still was a little bit restricting. Yeah. I, find that fascinating they expect you to sleep (laughs) when you're literally like yeah like you said like tied up like a robot and just knowing like you're being watched too like that for me yep and there's a camera yeah you could see the little red light yep oh yeah see it's like just those that enough is like enough for me just to be like this is creepy (laughs) i don't yeah i stopped beating myself up about not sleeping during it um when i realized like i just i don't even sleep at my own bed how how am i gonna sleep in this different environment yeah yeah i guess that makes sense so it's uh i'm sorry to hear that though that's not something that you want to be dealing with because sleep is so uh 
it's nice and it's so it's so vital so hopefully you can figure that out that out whatever that is going on but i'm hoping um when grad school ends maybe i will get my regular life back (laughs) it's sort of a stretch but it might happen (laughs) yeah yeah so so grad school what are you um what are you in grad school for um, so I go to Ohio State University. Everybody always is like, you have to say the, I never say the, <laughs> I think it's a, gra- like, as a grad, grad student, I just don't yeah. feel the necessary like, yeah. component of saying the, but, um, so I go there for food science and technology, and, um, that could mean a lot of things to different people, but, um, I work in a sensory science lab, meaning that, um, we study your five senses in regard to your food perception and your drink perception, um, and this sort of, um, sector of, uh, food science is really um, where you get insight um, on like consumer feedback and mm-hmm. and consumer testing, likability, preference. Um, so oftentimes we have people um, come in from different companies asking if we could run these consumer tests for them. Um, and then we do. And sometimes grad students get to be participants and you get paid $20 to eat um, five different chicken nuggets with different sauces. And, you know, the company wants to know which sauce is preferred, which one yeah. has the highest liking, um, what texture is the best, things like that. Um, so it's really cool. And I specifically study um, food texture versions in kids. Oh, okay. Um, so I got to interview a lot of kids for, for my study, which was fun. That's fun. Okay. That's fun for you. I hope. Yo, yeah. I love, <laughs> no, I like love kids. kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's those people out there, you know, they're not all about kids. So. Right. Know, right. Whatever. That's, that's okay. So if you were forced into the, into that, but it sounds like you kind of made that decision. Yeah. I was, I was lucky enough to be able to sort of um, create my own project, which isn't typically nice. a thing. It yeah. did have to be in like the realm of um, obviously sensory, but um, texture as well. And so I was like, how can I help people with um, a texture study? And I just have a lot of friends who are teachers of children with autism. Um, and a lot of them have sensory um, sensory defensiveness or sensory challenges where they, they feel a stimulus more than we do. Um, mm-hmm. Like they're hypersensitive um, yeah. or they're hyposensitive. Um, they feel it less. So they try to like get more stimulus in their mouth. So you'll see like kids biting t-shirts. They just want more um, mm. feeling, more perception um, and or a mix of both. But yeah, anyway, so I was like, wow, I have all these friends um, that, you know, have these students with problems. Um, let's try to make somewhat of a solution or a path to a solution. Yeah, that's fascinating because I don't know. Like I, first off, it's fascinating just the idea of studying food from all five senses. So just taking like that aspect and and thinking about it like that, and then two focusing specifically on the texture. I mean, I've I've know people who yeah are kind of like they can't eat something because of a texture, and they can't uh, and it's just it just turns them off. I mean, me, I'm I can eat literally anything and everything for the most part. But um, no, that so that's so you target specifically kids with autism correct Um, that's kind of so that's sort of like the overall that was overall like dream of the study um is to obviously we need a control group as well um so but the the main reason why i wanted to do this um was for those kiddos with autism um so we do have two other populations though um uh 
basically it's it's one group well it's two groups um one is neurotypical so they don't have any neurological disorder like autism mm-hmm. um and they're not picky at all um with food texture and then the other control group was um neurotypical children who are picky with food texture um as reported by their parents at least um so we have those three populations and um I've I've made just some analyses on how I can like sort of rank the pickiness of each kid, mm-hmm. um, and that can give health providers insight into like how they should go about treating them, um, what foods they'll avoid, a hundred percent, which foods they might be more okay to eat, things like that. So the family doesn't have to waste food by trying yeah. um, all these different things. Oh, that's really cool. Do you see kind of a trend with kids who? are like that, like that they just avoid typically like this food, like this food is just a pretty like much like a no go. Um, so the neurotypical, um, both the neurotypical non picky and picky children have similar, um, dislikes, uh, like similar, um, what I call like unacceptable. So like slimy is one and often Mm. Sandy is one. Um, so those people, uh, those participants sort of trended, um, with the same negative food textures and the same positive food textures. Whereas the, the children with autism, um, are, are a little bit more scattered. So, um, foods or food textures that the neurotypical kids are like, Oh yeah, I don't care about that. That's fine. Um, it might be super, super, um, super, super unacceptable to the, the kid with autism. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's sort of what I'm seeing is like, a trend for the first group of kiddos. And then um, with autism, it's just so diverse because kids, um, they might have an aversion to crunchy or they might have an aversion to like dense foods, or it could be a mixture of like red foods, red and crunchy foods. Like there's so many different factors that go into it. So they're a little bit harder to sort of um, generalize. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, man, I mean, then you're just talking about textures at first and then all of a sudden you brought in red and it's like, Oh yeah. It's all of sensory. If I was to do all five of the senses, my, my PhD would be like 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's, why I just chose touch. Just chose. Yeah, man. Cause so do you know, I mean, just because touch is your, is your strong suit. Do you know much about like the other ones? Like what for like, I'm, I'm kind of curious just because like the red, like what do you know what it is about that? Like, is it, I don't know. I don't, I just don't fully like, I can't grasp. Um, so I would say like, I do have some sort of knowledge on other, um, sensory channels. So like there's a few people in my lab who do, um, uh, olfaction. So smelling, um, there's some people that do, um, more of like the consumer testing type of thing. Um, another girl does texture or a couple of people do texture. Um, mm-hmm. We also have a few people that do like spiciness and temperature, mm. yeah. um, which is more of more on lines of like being a feeling as well. Um, but I'd say I don't know why why some kids are like I will only eat orange foods or I will only eat these five foods because yeah. they are all made from potatoes. Um, it could one one idea it could be from like a really um, dramatic experience that they had with it. 
Yeah. Um, that typically is why people have like a texture version in general. Um, it's yeah, that's a big reason. Um, but besides that, I, the color thing is really fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm unsure about, um, the, I'm unsure about the visual sense as much as I am with the other ones. Yeah. So how far are you kind of in this PhD process then? I'm graduating this semester. <laughs> Amazing. Congratulations. That's what I'd love to say. Yeah. Um, it yeah. has been four years, so I'm ready, ready to be done. That's so cool. And so like what I guess what does that mean for the study that you've been or the studies that you've been doing and everything? So they're kind of coming to an end. Um, and I'm right now writing my dissertation, which will probably be around 150 pages um, with everything I've done for the past four years. Um, and a lot of the data analysis that's happening right now is really cool um, and will give insight into um, like how like next steps. So if anybody that comes into my research lab wants to sort of continue, um, mm -hmm. they can. I have a foundation um, set up and it, it could be really cool. So it's kind of, um, it's one of those things that I'm really excited to be done with, but also I will always still wonder about it and really be passionate and sort of geeky about food texture. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm happy to pass it off onto a younger scientist who um, will have as much cool experiences as I did with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really nice that it's kind of, you know, it's not just going to be like dead after you, after you leave. Yeah. That's the hope. I mean, some projects do sort of end with people. Um, mm. but I think that we have some really cool data that sort of begs for more, um, exploration. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So you graduate in May, I assume, right? Yeah. That's the hope. And then, <laughs> and, and then what, and what's, on the plate my favorite question ever <laughs> <laughs> um there's so many things that could be next for me um yeah i'm trying to keep my options open with bonzo butter um and but at the same time um i'm sort of financially drained from four years of uh grad school as well mm -hmm. um and you know not having a full-time job besides being a grad student so um, I'm definitely looking for jobs right now that are in the product development space. Um, particularly, I love like the startup uh, world. I think that you just have mm -hmm. so much more of a say in what happens. And it, yes, it could be really risky, but it also could be super cool um, if you're if you you know bring something to life at the right time in the right place. Um, so I've been applying to some jobs. Um, yeah. I applied to my favorite cider house. Um, in Boston. So I really would love to have an interview with them. But um, yes, yeah, in regards to like Bonzo butter, I sort of can't I'm sort of at a point where I can't continue until I have financial stability. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, yeah, completely get that. So let's talk about Bonzo butter a little. So yeah, kind of just take me through the what started like, wh how did it start? So it's so funny because I was like just saying this to somebody else, but typically it like takes me 45 minutes to explain the whole story because Let's it's do it. just, yeah. it's, are you serious? No, it's like the longest uh, we got, story ever. We got time. I don't, I don't have anything planned for the rest of the night. <laughs> so I will, I will like leave some details out. Um, but <laughs> basically what happened is I, I studied chemistry undergrad and then mm -hmm. I realized chemistry was not for me necessarily, um, <laughs> yeah. or at least the chemistry I was doing. So like, 
I went to Northeastern University and they focus a lot on medicinal chemistry, which is fine if you want to go into like pharma or if you want to, you know, work in a chem lab somewhere. Um, But I just couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. Um, I wasn't as good as it as good at it as any of my classmates. And I just really wasn't passionate about it. So um, I then decided to take an internship with a a food company that um, had a food science position open. And that changed everything. I was like, wow, I could still do chemistry. It's just like food related. Um, And so after that internship, I was like, just finishing my junior year. And I was like, I know nothing about food science. Like, yes, I've had this internship, but if I'm going to go get a full-time job, they're going to have to teach me everything. So instead, I looked for um, graduate programs, specifically ones that were funded because I I didn't want to just be sitting on loans. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, I looked at the programs and then I applied to a few schools and then Um, chose Ohio State because it had the biggest amount of graduate students in the food science department. And I'm a very social person. So I thought that would just be good um, for connections and, and uh, to have a social life. And so the the first year I got there, um, during orientation, really, I met this girl who was an undergrad, and she was super involved, everybody knew her. And we became friends. And she asked me if I wanted to join a product development team, which I was like, I literally have no idea what that means. um, But I'll join because I have no friends here. And I want to make more. Yes. And so I joined the team. And what this product development competition was, was creating um, a a snack product. And it really didn't have very many guidelines. Um, They wanted you to be sort of like think out of the box. So um, we created a garbanzo bean wafer cookie. So it was like a sandwich. And then in the in the middle, there was garbanzo bean fudge, which was chocolatey and like delicious. Um, and the, yeah. whole, the whole point of it being garbanzo beans was it was allergen free. And also, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention the company I interned for uh, taught me what allergen free was. They were an allergen free yeah. startup. So what, is, so what is that? Yeah. So um, typically when people say allergen friendly or allergen free, it might mean different things. Um, but, but for legal purposes, um, it is actually in like in the law that you have to identify the top eight, um, big allergens on labeling. Um, so like on food packages or on your menu, um, because, uh, those eight food allergies, which I can name them in a second, um, they are, account for over 90% of food allergies. Um, and so I hate to like, like just rant off statistics, but 32 million Americans have a food allergy um, or more. A lot of people have multiple. And so for them, the, these eight being um, labeled specifically on food labels can really help them feel more secure and less paranoid. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in addition, a ninth one is being hopefully added. I know that there's like um, legal pursuits to make to make sesame the ninth um, top food allergen that has to be labeled. Um, But the other ones are tree nuts, um, peanuts, eggs, milk, soy, um, wheat, which is a little bit different than gluten, but I won't get into it. Um, And then what are the other shellfish and fish? and then sesame. So um, I had no, like I had friends with food allergies growing up. 
Um, however, I just like never thought really too much about it, except that I didn't want them to get sick. So when I was with them, I didn't, you know, have whatever yeah, um, yeah. they were allergic to. But then that that internship short, sort of shifted my mind. Um, and then when I got to that food product development competition, I was like, let's do allergen free. And everyone's like, okay. And so that's sort of where we went with that. Um, and yeah. I've always been a huge fan of garbanzo beans and so had my team. So we ended up going on and winning um, that competition, which was a really cool um, experience because we got to go to this conference, this food conference that um, was hosted by the Institute of Food Technologists. And we got to pitch, like business pitch, um, yeah. all of the research we had done on marketing and scale up and the food process and and packaging and competition analysis and just everything that we had spent many months researching for our little food product that we made. Um, and so it was a really um, transformative it, it really transformed my um, knowledge of food science and uh, put me sort of on this path for entrepreneurship because after we won, um, well, actually before before we won, a few people were on the team were interested in um, scaling up the production of, of what we called Bonzo Bites. Mm -hmm. And um, they went on to sort of try to commercialize it. And um, it ended up not panning out. Um, but what, what me and a, a few other people started thinking about was like how awesome the inside fudge was like between the two wafer sandwiches, um, yeah. how easy, how much easier it would be to make those instead of our like wafer cookies that were really easy to break. Yeah. Um, and so there was three of us working on it. Um, and then I took a little bit of leave of absence, um, just from them, uh, I needed to focus on school at that point. And I was like, I just don't have mental capacity to keep doing this. Um, but then a few months later, I was feeling better. Um, and I, I reached out to them and it's like, hey, if you need help with this, I, you know, I love this product idea. I think that it would, it would be great to work on. Um, so let me know if you need help. And they were like, oh, my God, we really need help. Um, we're it's too much for two people. And I was like, great, I will start right now. So I then worked with them um, on, like I said, a garbanzo bean fudge for a few months um, until I realized that like the, the relationship between me and them, it was just a little bit, um, the dynamic was hard because they were both dating each other. Okay. Um, and so I often felt like I got, I didn't, hear their pillow talk and I didn't <sighs> hear um, what decisions they made until two weeks later when I finished something that they had told me to do. And they're like, Oh no, we aren't doing that anymore. And I'm like, Oh my oh, God, geez, let me take away time from my PhD to work on that. So, yeah. um, so it just, it just wasn't working. Um, and just like the communication was off and I was, I was just feeling not valued enough. And so for, for me taking time away from, you know, my degree and the purpose why I'm in Ohio, um, it needed mm -hmm. to be a better scenario. So I opted to leave. Um, and then I was really sad because I really was excited about garbanzo bean butter. And we had already like won a pitch competition. And, you know, you just do so much research behind it. Um, and I I, for one, really saw the ability for this product to like change the industry standard for um, 
food allergies and to be a brand that really stood for those people with dietary restrictions. Um, So also like vegan, vegan people, um, gluten-free, et cetera. So I was sad. And then um, one of my friends from undergrad and I, we had a phone call. He is super successful. He actually runs a chocolate milk startup that just raised like $1.7 million. Um, And he just is the nicest human being and gives me advice on business and entrepreneurship. And I called him up and I was like, I'm so sad. Like, I'm not doing this thing anymore. Um, you know, what should I do? Like, I, you can't just stay in a situation if it's a, if it's a toxic, um, relationship between people that you work with. Um, and so he was like, I've had that before. I'm proud of you for leaving. And I think you should start your own. And I was like, hell yeah. I was like, meep. (laughs) Like, I don't, (laughs) like, I don't think I'm qualified to even like do anything. So, um, it took me about a week until I started actually considering it. Um, and then I was like, wait, I have so many ideas. Like this could be really cool. Um, obviously I'll take it slow, but, um, at the same time, uh, I just was like, what do I have to lose? Like I'm cooking garbanzo, like it's in my kitchen. I'm not Mm -hmm. like wasting all of my money. Um, and so I was like, okay, let's do it. And so that's when sort of the fun began. That was February, 2019. Um, so about two years ago. Um, and since then, I've created, it took me a while, but I've created um, this garbanzo bean spread that's sweet, um, not what you would think a bean would taste like, and it has the texture of nut butters or seed butters, if you're more familiar with that. Um, and we have three flavors currently, but I have like a million flavors in my head um, yeah. that I really want to get out to people. Um, but our current flavors are original, which is sort of a nutty without nuts flavor, um, then we have chocolate, which tastes like brownie batter, which is um, among, really a lot of people's favorite. Yeah. Um, and then third, we have something unique to my company um, because nobody's ever done a fruit um, garbanzo bean butter before. Yeah. Um, people have done some garbanzo bean butters, not really popular, but um, a fruit one. So I have a strawberry one and it's my favorite personally. And it just tastes like a, a mixture of uh, jam and nut butter. And so I call it jam butter sometimes. Yeah, it's just this nice. weird, like it, it's just a weird texture to have a taste with jam, but also it's just like really satisfying. So okay. um, I definitely recommend everybody trying it. Um, but yeah. a lot of people love the strawberry one because you, you just can't find anything else like it um, being sold yeah. right now. Yeah. 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 Have you had that? Um, it's like a two-in-one peanut butter and jelly. They're already like yes, mixed. Yes, so it's, is Slit, it like, I think, like is, is the yeah. company. I have literally talked to them because I think oh, they're really? so cool. <laughs> Whenever I think somebody's cool or like I like their marketing or I'm like, let's collab, I reach out to them because you yes. never know who's going to say yes. Course, so I reach yeah. out to them, but then the pandemic happened. So oh. that sort of um, died out a little bit, but yeah, they're cool. So, so this was all started in basically your kitchen are are you still where where is it being produced like or have you are you still doing it in your kitchen um yeah so it's oh it's been in my kitchen of my like 600 square foot apartment um it there's not a lot of space um but it it really from the start and kind of even into into november of 2020 was all in my kitchen um so 
like, obviously it's not to scale. So like I would make samples for people because I have these tiny uh, mixers, which I can like, you know, make a few batches. But in order to um, fully scale up, I had to, for a year and a half, look for kind of a location that one had the, um, that had the equipment that I needed to use um, to make bonzo butter. Two, I was really looking for places that could guarantee that they were free of the top 14 allergens. So not even just the top nine, the top 14. Um, What are the additional ones? Yep. um, So celery, mustard, um, sesame is one of those. So sesame, uh, celery, mustard, lupin, sulfites, and crustaceans like or sorry not crustaceans mollusks okay different than crustaceans because crustaceans are in the top eight yeah Um, so celery wait you're saying celery is so a lot of times um products will have something called celery seed in them so not like actual just celery necessarily but celery seed um and people have formed allergies to that whoa I've never, I've never heard. I, I don't know. I don't know everything about the celery um, allergy, but I do know that that is one of those top fourteen. Gives me another reason not to eat celery. I dislike celery. I'm <laughs> so. unsure. I'm unsure if it's like celery seed or if it's like the stalk of celery. I personally don't like celery, so yeah, yeah, but it's okay. We'll just I, I avoid actually it. need to look into that. So that's good. But yeah. um, yeah. So we needed a scale up, um, and. There are just not a lot of places out there that can guarantee um, freedom from those top 14 food allergens and also have the equipment I need and also be affordable. Um, So I sort of took a step back and I was like, it's been a year, it's been two years almost um, with the company. Like I really want to launch. Um, I know that like people with severe food allergies won't be able to eat this if I make it in a commercial kitchen. However, if I don't make it in the commercial kitchen, I'm never gonna like launch. Like I'm just gonna keep being in this stage of like looking, and other people are gonna come out with the idea. And I just really wanted people to start enjoying bonzo butter and to get the name out there. So we did end up deciding on a commercial kitchen. It was so much cheaper than any of the places that we had found with nice. with the like specific intent that like we are going to try to accelerate um, and grow so that we can then move to one of those facilities. That's amazing. I mean, it's I understand that that thought of being a little frugal, but you also want to maintain your expectations for the company you don't want to lose the right. the morals the values of what's behind bonzo butter and that's i again that's um that's a testament to you because um yeah you don't want to like sell out for uh, per se yeah so it was really hard to get my mind to switch from like we've been uh allergen free this whole time and like starting at an allergen free facility and being able to say that yeah. um But then I was like, you know what, like, nobody's going to enjoy this, not even the people with food allergies, if I can't even get it off the ground into like a small launch. So that was sort of the reasoning behind that. Um, And just, you know, you work on something for so long, you want to get more opinions than just your family and and close (laughs) friends, because I definitely have their opinions um, and have used their opinions to really, really make Bonzo Butter better, because at first it was like inedible. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, like they might not be your target market. Um, and they're always going to support you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was good to get it to people who I didn't even know. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course. So with the flavors, um, the first one that you said is like the, the kind of just normal nut butter. Is it like a peanut butter, would you say? Or what? I would say how would you compare it? Yeah, I would say what I tell people is that you can't put your finger on what nut it tastes like. <laughs> okay. Um, it just is like, it vibes. Like it just has a nutty vibe. <laughs> it's a nut um, And I, I hate saying that because people are like, well, I don't want to try it because... I have no idea what you're talking about, but one like once you um, take your first spoonful, you 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 kind of just like keep it in your mouth a little bit, and you're like, wait, that is super nutty. Like nutty mm-hmm. is is such an interesting like taste that you don't need a real nut to produce. Yeah, um, which is really cool. And my friends with food allergies that have tried this um, are like excited to have like sort of a sense of what nutty means because they've never had a nut butter or peanut butter. Um, so I think that's really cool. But yeah, it it's hard to explain to people. I wish I was like sampling at Costco and like handing them over to people because I think it would be easier that way. Yeah. Um, but I also combat a lot of people that think it's hummus. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> that's... it's really more of the spreadable um, nut butter texture is all okay. I can say for it. You know, for some reason, it didn't even cross my mind about hummus because hummus literally is garbanzo beans. Right. Well. And it's, it's more savory. Um, that's that's where people's mind goes typically when I yeah. say garbanzo bean butter. <laughs> Have you had the sweet? I've had like chocolate hummus before. Yeah, like Would the you, dessert hummus. Yeah. Is it anything similar to that or is it? Yeah, I guess like what's the. Yeah, that's a good question. I. I have also had the dessert hummus. My favorite ever was like this snickerdoodle one. It was so good. Nice. Um, but it it still is different in um in texture and taste. I would say you still get a little bit of the beans from the dessert hummus, in my opinion, the ones I've tried. Um, and like I would say not the spreadability, like the this, uh, I don't know, like the spreadability slash um, when you put it on something, what does it do uh, factor of it um, yeah. is is totally different. So if you take your dessert hummus and you put it on an apple, it it's going to stay in its blob form. Like it, mm-hmm. it's pretty thick. You know, it just kind of sticks yep. um, with bonzo butter. You can spread it um, sort of all over the apple. You could just dip it in um, and it's just more creamy. Okay. I'm kind of picturing something like, like when you get, like when I get like my peanut butter and there's like the oil, it's kind of oily, like, whereas like hummus doesn't have, well, unless it like, there's sometimes like oil on top. Um, but like just a plain hummus doesn't really have oil. And like you said, like when you, if you were to scoop it and put like a scoop of peanut butter on your plate versus a scoop of hummus, the hummus is going to remain whatever that scoop is, but the peanut butter is going to spread out. So it's kind of like that where like your butter, the bonzo butter is going to spread out and have more of like a, a peanut buttery type, like oily, I don't I don't know. Oily is sometimes a turn off word. For oh people. no. I, but, yeah, it is oily. So like yeah. even on the jars, we, we tell people stir it often because the oil separation can make it like really hard to stir. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, it definitely is more oily, more liquidy. I know that it, those terms don't yeah, sound like terms, wonderful, yeah. but yeah. it is, it is what it is, I guess. If you if you understand, it's uh, which I, I feel like I get it, and I definitely would be open to trying that because the the one that interests me the the strawberry. I'm always now I'll be a skeptic here because I'm hesitant when it comes to strawberry flavored like 
anything. Um, I don't know. I get, I get a little skeptical. So I am the same way with cherry because there was just this one cherry medicine when I was a kid that oh, ruined yeah. like everything for me. Yep. Um, but I will say that the strawberry flavor is not um, in any sense artificial. I use yep. real strawberries. Um, nice. So it really is like the flavor that you're expecting. Yeah. Um, that's good. Yeah. So it's really <laughs> fresh and really tart and um, oh, that's awesome. delicious. That's awesome. So yeah, kind of going on those ingredients. Where so that's that's awesome to hear that you use like fresh strawberries and and the garbanzo beans. I'm I'm assuming as well. Where do you kind of source that stuff from? So I have to wear like eighteen thousand different hats as an entrepreneur um, because I'm not only in charge of like you said sourcing ingredients um, and supply chain and making sure I get enough ingredients um, for all the batches. But I'm also like marketing and all the other things. Oh, but yeah. um, for your specific question, um, I I looked for companies that could send me documentation proving um, or promising that they have um, allergen control plans in place and um, that the line that this ingredient runs on, if it's like, um, for example, if it, I don't, I don't really know how sugar works too much, but say this sugar um, ran through the same line as um, some nuts, like you could still get fragments. Um, And so Mm. I make sure that no, um, none of the top allergens are produced on the same line as um, the products that I'm buying, the ingredients. Yeah. And um, additionally, like if they have it in their facility, I ask for like what their plan is to avoid cross contact of allergens. Um, and that was because I was searching for a place that was like free from the top 14 to produce at. So like mm-hmm. me bringing in ingredients had to be super, super strict. Um, but but what ended up happening is now I just like have all these really great sourced ingredients, um, yep. but not the facility, unfortunately, yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I looked online. Um, I spent a lot of my money and time um, finding the right bean. It took at least over 30 companies sending me product. Whoa. Um, because like I said, it's, it, or, uh, garbanzo beans are typically savory. Um, and so if I got the package and took one out and tasted it and it was like savory, I knew it wouldn't be able to be used in bonzo butter. I was oh, looking yeah. for like really specific, neutral, t- nutty taste. Um, yeah. and so probably like two out of 30 of those companies made the right uh, taste. Um, but yeah, after that, it was just sort of seeing like, you know, if I got any deals on bulk, um, obviously I'm not producing crazy bulk right now, but, um, yeah, that's sort of how I went about it. Yeah, no, that's good job. I mean, doing your due diligence. It's, it's like, again, when you have a vision in your mind, you, you'll like do like anything to, to oh, tackle for that. Sure. Yeah. For sure. And so, people like the whole two years, people were like, are you still doing this? And I'm like, yes, I'm still <laughs> doing that. Thanks for asking. <laughs> are you still doing this? It's like, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a passion of mine. I'm probably not going to stop. So is this, how does this relate to, um, I think it's Sparks Snacks, right? What's, what's that? So Sparks Snacks is the name of my company. Um, so in order to like work at a commercial kitchen or to have, um, a company credit card, I needed to sort of establish my LLC, 
Um, It confuses a lot of people, like every single person that that asked me, asked me that. Um, but yeah, so Spark Snacks LLC is my company. Um, we produce Bonzo butter, um, as our sort of flagship brand. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Cause it kind of gives you also the ability to mess around and eventually grow and become its right. own. Uh, yeah. Right. Own. And you would like need to have this in order to ever get like fundraising money. Mm-hmm. Um, and to file taxes and stuff less. Yeah. Stuff. You know, all the, all that good stuff. Uh, that's so, and so right now you're doing this all by yourself, right? Yeah. So I did have, um, I did have a partner who kind of started the whole journey with me. We sort of both didn't know very much about the food industry. Um, but I was sort of in charge of the product side and he was going to be in charge of the business and, and strategy once we were able to like launch. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately he ended up not having just enough time with his current job uh, to continue. So after we launched, he stepped away um, cordially and um, I sort of, I bought him out. So like, we, you know, we wrote in our contract, like I had a certain percent equity and so did he. Um, and I bought all of his equity so that now I'm a hundred percent owner. And if I move forward and I get new partners, I can give them some of that. Um, but yeah, that's sort of, so, so basically now I am kind of a solo, um, entrepreneur person, but, um, looking for, I'm looking for the right team. Um, it's yeah. really, really important that you find people that motivate you and that are as equally as motivated about um, your food baby as you are. <laughs> your literal food baby. Yeah, yeah. literal. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Because you exactly like you you said you've had that unfortunate experience with a toxic business relationship, and it's it's an, I mean it's enough to drag down a whole brand, and like it, it could sink a ship that easy. Right. And like it almost did, like I was just going to focus on grad school. And then, you know, I had had that phone call with my friend. Then I had another phone call with the with the guy who ended up being my partner. And he's like, I'd love to help in any way I can. He comes Mm -hmm. from economics background. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. Be my business side person. Um, And and like our relationship was great. And I, you know, I'm still friends with him. So that's great. Um, But it's it's a different experience from a toxic working experience to an experience where, um, just, it wasn't the right like fit or it, it just wasn't the good timing. Um, so learning a lot here in two years about partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually do have someone working with you. It's, uh, your professional taste tester. Is that correct? Oh, Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I put that on the website cause I felt like people would want to see that. Um, I'm one of those annoying people that have an Instagram for my dog because he has the cutest little snaggle tooth and it's just, it makes him look so angry all the time. Yes. Um, he is a Chihuahua wiener dog, Chewini, and his name Chewini. is Franklin. Um, and he is just very special. And so, yeah, I put him on the website. Um, one of actually, um, Lily Walker's husband, um, Shout out Lily. he drew, a picture of Franklin with like a garbanzo bean ear 
Um, oh, and okay. it, it is really cool. He's really good at um, drawing and uh, he's, I think he's taking classes now on drawing and animating in Chicago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I paid him to like literally make a portrait of Franklin with a Bonzo <laughs> butter theme. Um, it's on Franklin's Instagram. If you want to go check it out, he I is definitely will. at famous Franklin, but instead of K it's a Q because the K name was taken. Oh, oh. <laughs> unfortunately there's, there's, that's the real or you're the real famous franklin uh, sure. <laughs> debatable debatable exactly um so so what else i mean like what what do you do okay how do you keep yourself sane you you sounds like you're phd you got this startup that you're wearing literally every single hat to to keep afloat how do you keep yourself sane like what's the life of amy andy's outside of these things um I don't know if I would be considered sane. Um, I am told a lot to like, you know, stop committing to everything that I have the opportunity to commit to. But Mm. that's been a thing like my whole life. Like I was always in every sport and um, like I was in theater and I was just always busy. And especially in high school, I was in like 18,000 clubs um, and would get home at like 8 PM every night. Um, But here, like, when, when I got here to Ohio, I really like didn't know very many people at all. Um, and so I was like, well, let's just do the thing that you always do. Like, let's commit to every single club <laughs> and every opportunity um, yeah. and make as many friends as you can. And that was sort of my plan. And then that product development team sort of was a, an amazing experience. And after that, I just sort of was like bit by the entrepreneur bug. And I was like, oh, but like, maybe I can make this successful. Um And, uh, so, but the whole time, like it, I have had to use, like, I have a planner that I write on and I also have an annoying amount of, um, reminders that pop up on my phone every single day that I like just don't delete until they're done. Yeah. Um, which would make some people super anxious and, uh, annoyed, but it's my way of like remembering things, um, to shout it out at my face if I'm looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like, I don't know how I handle it, honestly. Like I also babysit and I also dog sit, um, to make extra money so that I can afford this like dream of mine. Um, and so I'd say like the thing that I really, um, I really practice is like, if I know that a meeting is going to happen. And like, I know that the meeting can be rescheduled or like if I know that my friend doesn't need to hang out with me on Thursday Mm -hmm. um, and I'm feeling just really exhausted and tired and like, I just need a second by myself. um, I I tell them like, I'm like, nice. I'm really overwhelmed right now. Um, And I think people are getting better at doing this. um, But I'm like, I just really like need a night to just focus on like, just me and and not be with anybody and not talking to anybody. Um, so th- that's one thing that I do to sort of remain sane. Um, I just go from thing to thing to thing. Um, if I didn't have my planner, my life would be out of sorts. Um, but I make sure to like limit myself sometimes um, and to make sure that like uh, to make sure that I'm taking care of myself as well. Um, and also like, part of that is the pandemic has made things interesting because I'm a very social person. And so like, yes, I'm working all the time and I'm doing my entrepreneurship stuff all the time and I'm babysitting and stuff. But like 
without that component of social interaction, I don't do very well. Like mentally, Mm. I'm like, I haven't seen anybody. You know, all I do is um, work with myself. And I just love like collaborating and and talking through things with people. Um, And so that's been a really interesting shift. Obviously, like, you know, we have the virtual stuff now. um, And I've had a lot of meetings and stuff on that. But Zoom is super exhausting. Um, I definitely don't like to do more than two Zoom calls a day. Um, But yeah, I guess to answer your question, I don't have a very good answer to how I stay sane. I'm just trying to finish grad school. And then I think my life will become a little bit more simple, but probably not. Um, Yeah, probably not. (laughs) That's uh, if I've learned anything in life, it's uh, when you think something's going to happen, it usually uh, likes to throw 10 more things in front of your way. But I mean, it sounds like you've got like, like the music thing, the like the being able to just take time for yourself. The, the biggest thing that you said that is so important is knowing when you need the, the alone time and vocalizing it and not forcing yourself through it because then that just adds on to the next day. You'll probably have more anxiety. And then the next day, because I used to be the same way where I would just like, oh, I told someone I was going to do this, so let's just do it, like, even though I'm really against it. Sometimes I need to do that. And like where it's like, I said I was going to do it, I'll do it. And then I end up like, it was a good thing that I did it. Mm-hmm. But there's other times where it's like, I'm just, I'm draining myself. I'm I'm spreading myself way too thin. And it leaches over into my work life, into just me as a person. So being aware of that is important. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially for social people. Um, yeah. Like, you want to go to every party. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously not right now, but um, <laughs> like you, like you want to go to every party, but you want to do well on your test and you want to make sure these samples get out to people and blah, 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 blah. It just adds up. Um, so you do what you can, but like getting that self-awareness, it took a few months. Like it, it took a while. Um, but, yeah. but knowing I have it makes me calmer because I know that like I can take a step back and help myself. Yeah. Would you say that moving out to Ohio and not knowing anybody really helped you find that? Or did you know it before? Did you like know that about yourself beforehand? I started to like be a little bit more self-aware, I guess, in in college. High school, I was not at all. Um, I had major FOMO and I just wanted to be involved with everything. Um, But in college towards the end, I noticed that like I was getting really tired, which also sort of cor- like correlates with the sleep disorder that I probably had back then too. Um, I, I would just get tired and like, I would keep forcing myself to go to these events. Um, I was super involved with Greek life and I would make sure that I was at everything so that people thought that, you know, I was really involved and I could just make more friendships. Um, but my senior year, I like I sat out of a lot of things, um, not just because I was old people and like nobody wanted me there, but because I was starting to realize like I'm tired and like if I go to this party, I'm just going to have a bad time. Mm. Um, and even if even if all my friends are there, like I'm already in this mood. So um, why don't we just accept it and have some macaroni and cheese for dinner and have a good night rather than going there and checking um, your cell phone for the time and to to like want to leave the whole time. So, um, but definitely when I moved to Columbus, it was a really hard um, first year, which I didn't expect because like I had said, um, Ohio State has a huge graduate student population in general, but also the food science department is 
one of the bigger ones in the nation. So I thought I'd have friends, like instant friends, like it had been my whole life. Um, but that's not really what happened. People just had different priorities. Some people wanted just to get married. Um, like they were starting with me, but they were engaged. Um, or I don't know. I just, some, some occasions I felt really excluded. Um, it just, it really just depends who you sort of come in with, who your class and cohort is. It, it ended up smoothing out my second year and, you know, I'm friends with everybody now, but it was a really hard year. And, um, so, I that year I wanted to go to every social event I was invited to because I was not invited to all of them. Um, yeah. So I felt like I was like hungry for social interaction. Mm. Um, yeah. But probably my second year and on of grad school has been like, sorry, I know I said I'd go to this like candle making place with you. I don't know why that popped yeah. in my head. But, <laughs> I was like, have you made um, candles? But I just, I, I'm not going to be fun to be around. Um, and yeah. it's one thing if you like keep saying that and then you're like flaky, but it's another yeah. thing when you like try to make it up to that person and, um, you know, plan another, plan something else um, while, while you're on the phone or something. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, if truly it's a, it's a good friendship there, people are going to understand that and actually value that in in a good friendship and Mm -hmm. i think kind of to your point too about the the first year that's kind of what i noticed too even here in minneapolis was the first year it's almost like one you have to get your bearings straight with like a new place and just new environment and everything and then two it's it's like with people who have been here their whole life or people that are just like familiar with this and you're kind of like the new person, um, it's almost like they want to see, and I'm not saying that they're consciously doing this, but like, they want to see like, is this person going to be like sticking around? Like, is this going to be someone, or is it like not even worth it? Cause they're just going to be onto the next thing in, in a year from now. And after like, yeah, after the first year, I finally started to dig some roots with some friendships and really now at this point, yeah, I'm, I'm like the same way where it's like, I have a great group of friends here but I can pick and choose when I'm going to go places. And yeah, it's, it's, it is bizarre now though, because like you said, there's just not many opportunities to really interact with people. And so actually, how are your labs? Like, how is that with, with COVID and everything? Um, so my personally, my research lab was not, I would say as affected as other grad students were, um, we don't necessarily use a lot of like huge instruments, like chemist, like chemistry instruments and um, like x-rays and like things like sort of like yeah. that, um, which other people like rely on for uh, measuring components of their samples. Yeah. Um, we are more of like a person lab. So we recruit people, we get information from people Um so that's been interesting. So some of our studies have been able to go virtual, like mine. Mine was able yeah. to. I just figured out how to have the kids share their screen while they took this survey with me. Um, it was really funny. One of them had like um, one of those like dragons as a pet, and he just oh, like yeah. wore it the whole time. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what's happening? Um, but I was like, all right, dragon. Um, yeah. But it, so for us, I'd say there was about a month where I was just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I, I really didn't think of the zoom thing for longer than I, like, it shouldn't have taken me that long to figure out how to do it on zoom. Um, because it had been in person up until then. 
Um, and then the second sort of aspect for my study was I like literally test the tongue sensitivity of the kid with mm. like different experiments. Um, and so that's in person. Um, and so in August, I think we were allowed to do that, but it took a lot of phases um, to get there. And I mostly just feel bad for the people who like, you know, six months of their research wasn't allowed to happen because they weren't allowed to come into the building um, to measure their samples or to yeah. like water their plant, like, or things like that. I think yeah. there's some people who got exceptions when they were like, just allowed to go in to water their plants. Cause like years of years right. of the light, then- like of their projects would have been messed up. But um, like, we just sort of were patient um, and it actually gave me a lot of time to also focus on bonzo butter. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a, a blessing in any way, this pandemic, but I do think that it did um, help me um, focus a little bit more on um, some of the aspects with bonzo butter. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it's like I was the same way going into, into 2020 I was getting really overwhelmed with work. I was starting, like, I just took over. They, they let a guy go in my company in Minnesota. So I was the only rep in Minnesota and I took over his whole territory. And so now I was, I was driving the whole state of Minnesota, putting in like 20 hours of just driving a week on top of, of working. And then I was like, oh man, I'm getting way burnt out real quick. And then COVID hit. And it was, like you said, I, I I don't want to use the word blessing, but for me personally, it was kind of a blessing that everything shut down. I wasn't like I just literally wasn't allowed to go places, and so it's it's weird how like I again what I try to do with all this stuff because yeah, there's a lot of unfortunate things like I miss going to concerts, I miss seeing some friends of like of mine that I haven't seen in such a long time, um, but at the same time, it's allowed me to to branch out and try new things, start a podcast, do mm-hmm. like all this fun, different stuff that I don't know, probably wouldn't have happened if COVID didn't shut everything down. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way about um, my, my company. So like I launched in 2020, obviously it was very end of December, um, yeah. but I sort of wanted to bring a little bit of light to the year, <laughs> at least for it, me. Yeah. Cause most of the year was just kind of, I don't know. I, I, I would venture to say traumatizing for like everybody. Um, like it <laughs> yeah, just, it really up, it upended everybody's life. Um, yeah. And so I was just like, you know, we have the product, we have the commercial kitchen, let's just do it. Um, so that was something that like, if, if the pandemic didn't happen, I don't know when we would have um, gotten our stuff together and been able to launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been really, I've really enjoyed talking with some, some people who have, been able to start things in 2020 mm-hmm. like that's that to me i we need to talk more about that because i've seen unfortunately i think we've all seen the negative side when it comes to business of like some of my favorite restaurants now in minneapolis are are done and you're just like it sucks it's it's really that's like oh man it's really unfortunate i was really looking forward to going back there eventually um so it's inspiring to hear people like you people i was just i just had a podcast before this um and you guys are both starting these new new companies and it's it's awesome it's it's like make the best out of a shitty situation so and 
I think a lot of times, this is like sober nerdy of me to bring in, but um, there's this thing called the negativity bias. And Mm. I'm, I'm writing my dissertation right now. So like, this part, this is in my dissertation um, about like how people perceive textures. But typically, um, when you receive like good news, like you're happy and whatever. But when you receive bad news, it's that much worse, um, because it's negative. And so like for textures, that's this, that's how what I find is like people are more averse to textures, like they're more likely to avoid certain textures than they are to seek out positive ones that they like um so they're they're more motivated by the negative um which is negativity bias and i think it's really hard to to congratulate yourself in this current world when like everything is falling apart and it's hard to be happy um even if you do something really awesome like we were just talking about Mm -hmm. um so i think that the negativity bias definitely plays a role um but also celebrating new people's, you know, uh, starting their companies or literally anything I think is, is reason to celebrate in a pandemic. Um, I agree completely with, with your sentiment that we should be talking about those more. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's, it's like you said, it just spreads a little bit more positivity and it's, that's interesting the the whole negativity, um, bias that you were just talking about, because one, it made me, it made me think of something personal and then kind of just something more, um, I don't know, just something that I've I've noticed in life. It's, I guess, starting with that one, it's like, I feel like there is a culture or people want to, it's like almost cool to be like in a shitty situation. And I hear me out. <laughs> because I'm that, hearing um, you out. <laughs> that's, a, that's a weird way of setting that one up. But um, where it's like, when you go and like you're talking about work with friends or something, it's like, you talk about that and people say, how are work going? And it's like, oh, I've been, and then like they list off like all these complaints about work. And then like the other person like hears that and they're like, yeah, I get that. And like, and they start listing off complaints. And then like, that's how you connect with people is like, what kind of shitty situation are you? What complaints are you, do you have? Um, now there are some real things that people should be talking about, but I'm talking like the, the minor stuff, like where it's like, oh, you have a good job and you're just fr- frustrated with an email your boss sent you or something like mm-hmm. that, or what a customer said to you. Um, yeah, I think those negative things, um, take more weight than like, oh yay, I got a job. Oh, I hate my boss. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I would agree. People connect over like situations that, might be negative but when you connect with somebody over it then you get a connection and that feels at least a little bit positive yeah yeah and that's because again i think people are looking for a connection of any sort and Mm -hmm. it's easy to connect over those things which is bizarre in a way um so it's like it's nice to i now i've been trying to be conscious to like when i'm doing it because i obviously it's i think it's kind of human where you're just Mm -hmm. gonna complain and i'm like okay take a step back what am i grateful for and then target that and then like when i see someone doing something amazing celebrate it like celebrate like it's the best Mm -hmm. thing that's ever happened and then like be like yeah (laughs) and then i don't know stuff like that like i think it's uh it's that's the important stuff for getting at least switching a mindset for me is what i found yeah no i agree completely yeah and then the the other thing that like i said is the personal thing um and this kind of ties into that is 
and maybe i don't know maybe this negative bias i don't know if it goes this deep but when i i've actually realized lately and this kind of started i got covid back in august and when i lost my sense of smell and taste I got extremely depressed because my mind went to the absolute worst case scenario, meaning I lost my sense of smell and taste for good. I guess the worst case scenario with COVID is I die. But <laughs> but in, I was being kind of realistic, I guess, in a way where I was like, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to die here. But I've heard of people who haven't fully regained their, their smell and taste back. So I got like really depressed because I'm like, all right, all my love for tea is gone. All of like my love for food's gone. I'm like, oh, this is, like sh- fuck, like <laughs> it sucks. Um, and then I noticed it too. Like when I tore my LCL and my knee, like very soon after, I did the same thing, and I was like, okay, I gotta stop doing this. Like, because again, after a week, I was fine with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like everything came back. I'm perfectly fine now. And now, a couple months, four months later after my surgery, I'm pretty much back to normal with my with my leg so it's like why do i why do i do this is this is that part of like kind of that negative bias you know um i think it also it could be i think that it also has to do with like our culture with i don't know how much social media you go on i go on yeah. a lot um which, i do too now <laughs> um but like with twitter and and just like the the like onslaught of memes when a bad situation happens to sort of like all like to be used as that connecting source and just, you know, you you don't necessarily laugh at it, but you're like, Hmm, okay. That's pretty funny. Um, and you bond with all these people because of it. Um, I, I think that the culture makes it like, okay for us to be melodramatic about the tiniest of things. Like, um, but because it's like we all try to make humor out of it. Um, I don't know if that's an our generation thing, but I, I've noticed that recently. Like, um, yes, we're negative about things, but also we're, we try to be funny about it most times. Um, yeah. At least like Twitter is my favorite social media, and that's exactly the vibe of Twitter. Um, but there was one thing other I was going to say. Um. I don't, I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. It's, uh, I agree with you. It's, I don't know. I don't think it's our, I don't think it's just a generational thing. I just, I think it's, I think it's a human thing, but I think there are some people who are better at it. And like some people just who really like when it, like when they let their minds go to those places of like, the worst case scenario like they kind of like accept that that's the thing and so it's like i don't know what are you gonna what's like what are you gonna listen to like now i've kind of just been like whatever whatever it is it's okay it'll it'll be okay i'm i'm gonna be fine i've been through enough stuff like where it's like i i come out and i'm fine so it's like yeah i mean it's it's all about like um 
keeping your mental health in check. And Mm -hmm. um, whenever, you know, I'm such an advocate for like seeking help and therapy Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes just talking it out, like I can imagine some people use Twitter or use Facebook or something to get that out of their system, like to get the thought out. However, maybe that's not the best medium to use. Maybe going to a therapist would be more useful because like people will give you um, professional advice back. But um, yeah, I think that like talking through it helps to cope. And then I was also just going to say, like, maybe it isn't generational, but at least our generation has the desire to like make humor out of a lot of things, which I which helps me in a way, which is weird. Um, but sometimes it, it's just, um, there's just so much bad news that it's like, you you need you need something that just at least starts to make you smile or something. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I was gonna say that I remembered um, is that I had the same situation with COVID. Um, and this was uh, two weeks after I launched Bonzo Butter and had promised um, 600 jars of bonzo butter to people all over the country. And yeah. the plan with um, the launch was that we were going to do pre-orders and then I was going to produce mid-January. And January 4th, I got, I tested positive <laughs> with COVID and I was, I was unwell for a few days. Like, yeah. first of all, symptoms, second, your mental health, like just not knowing Man. if you're going to be able to breathe the next day, that is scary. Um, and so, yeah, so that experience was interesting, but I also lost my my taste and smell. And I remember texting you, and you were like, um, "You're like try zinc or, or something like that." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Okay, like doesn't hurt." Um, yeah, exactly. But I lost it for like four days, and mm-hmm. those four days, I was the most dramatic person. Um, I'm I'm always a dramatic person. I have like a lot of emotions yeah. and and uh, stuff, but um, I could barely taste anything. I had a little bit of taste, um, but the only things I ate were like really pungent mac and cheese because the cheese is just like so strong. Um, And then like strawberry jam. Um, I didn't have any bonzo butter at the time, but um, (laughs) because I just didn't have any on hand, but um, those were the only things, two things I could really like taste um, a lot of. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a food scientist. Like the irony of this, like <laughs> I'm not going to recover if I never, if I never get my sense of taste and smell one, because I'm like obsessed with food and two, because it's my career choice. Yeah. Um, I'm not. And, and also I was thinking to myself, I'm not sending out products that I can't taste test first. Yeah. So even if I did produce that bonzo butter on time, I wasn't going to send it out. So for four days I was just like, I, this sucks. Like, in six months, when I get my smell back, I'll give everybody their jars. Like, should yeah. I refund people? There was just a lot of questions. Um, but it does, like, really affect your quality of life. Um, mm-hmm. And my lab actually, stud- like, some people study um, the sense of smell. And so um, my advisor knows a lot about um, anosmia, which is, like, the loss of um, smell. And, um, like, how it could really, really affect your life. And it, it might happen for a lot of, like, elderly people. Um, and you know, like I, this is dramatic, but like, I don't know how much I would be excited from day to day if I wasn't able to enjoy food. Um, like, I really think that it would cause me to question like the meaning of life and, and, and be miserable because you eat <laughs> yeah, with people, exactly, you yeah. eat, 
um, you eat for enjoyment. You like you eat at every occasion, um, and it just wouldn't be the same, and it would be sad. So yeah. I feel bad for people who have lingering anosmia or anything um, due to COVID or due to life circumstances. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, so something that I found like in my search, and which is why I recommended zinc, was that a zinc deficiency does lead to like and this is just not even co- in covid related just a zinc deficiency leads to a loss of smell and taste do you i mean you just said that your professor works um, with or works like with that sort of um i don't know sort of we, we yeah. usually are focused on um we don't like study the disease or like i don't know if it's considered a disease but we don't study like anosmia necessarily we study like people who do have their sense of smell and if they're if they're mm. smelling a lot from their nose or the back of their tongue we think that oh. that's also part of like you smelling because if you plug your nose you like can't really taste anything yeah. um but i would say i'd have to ask him um i think that he just in his um time with like he worked at a flavor house which is just like all fragrances and all food flavors and things like that um, I think that he knows a qu- bit more about anosmia than I do, um, yeah. but it definitely could be due to like a deficiency of something. Like we see that with um, kids like going blind, uh, pre- like really at young ages because they don't have enough of a certain nutrient. Um, yeah, it, it, there's definitely like a pattern. Yeah, that, I just I always find that stuff interesting because it's not really talked about all the time and that's that's the stuff that i like to dig into is the stuff that's not always talked about and yeah learn i think you would be interested to hear then so we well i i don't know how much of details i can go into but there was there was a news story sort of about it so um my advisor his name is dr simons he um applied for a grant from the usda i think Mm -hmm. don't quote me um and it was essentially how we could use, um, how we could make a screening device for COVID um, through the use of hard candy. Um, and so people, like we we get these clear, like no, no visual cue, clear um, hard candies, and then they have different flavors. So like one's lime, you know, I'm making this up. I don't know the real flavors, but yeah. one's strawberry, whatever, one's pineapple. Um, and then... If the person misidentifies um, the flavor or the smell, because they do both, they like mm-hmm. lick it and they smell it, um, then it they are recommended to go get a COVID test. Um, and That's so he was writing the grant when we didn't have the vaccine out yet. So yeah. it's a little like maybe a little less relevant, but you know, in any situation um, where there's like a, a huge dorm or, or something and they want a, a screening test instead of everybody getting tested. Um, that's uh, sort of the function that he imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a, a, a wider variety or not variety, just like a wider spread audience or something that you can, that's probably pretty cheap to. Right. To and it's easy. Like you fill out an app on your phone or something and like, mm-hmm for 90 days or something like that. Um, so it's it and people like candy generally. <laughs> so it's, it's easy <laughs> friendly that way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. That's a, that's a fun little science experiment. And, and like you said, unfortunately it might be coming around a little, 
a little late to the game. Um, but that'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, it was awesome. in, it was, he thought, you know, it was thought through and um, like, basically you apply for grants way earlier, like way ahead of time. And then you receive them after like a ton of time. Um, so it was a good, it was, it is, I think still a good idea, but it might be less um, usable. Like it might be just less people use it than he thought originally. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, because stuff like that might not be useful for maybe COVID anymore, but you can take the principles of that idea and how can you use it for something else that, that might mm-hmm. be more, I mean, and, and COVID's not going anywhere either though. Right. So it's like, I think the, the world we're going to, COVID's just going to be a part of the world. Like, like the flu is like every other sickness. And so after, I mean, who knows? It could be, it could be useful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely applications. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, what, I mean, like, what's going on? Like, what's the future look like? I know you said you're you're waiting on getting, um, hopefully, a job here lined up soon. But like, I don't know. Like, what you said you you said you have a lot of um, ideas for Bonzo butter in regards, at least to flavor. Can you let us in on any of those, or is that um, that's on the down low? I so my favorite flavor is a top secret. Um, mm-hmm. But I will share that I have created a cinnamon raisin flavor, um, and nice. it literally tastes like cookies, um, <laughs> and it's pretty good for you, um, nutrition-wise. So Unless you that, eat the whole jar in one sitting. <laughs> it is. It's really addicting. And, like, that yeah. just goes with everything. Like, it could go on ice cream. It could go on a sandwich. It can go on just a banana. Um, yeah. And so I'm really excited about that one. Um, it not too complex um Mm -hmm. the only issue is that like until i'm financially stable i probably will not release another uh flavor just because i have to um figure out the supply chain and uh actually have money to afford it (laughs) um and so that that's one thing that i i i'm continuously applying to grants and applying to programs that will help me financially um, move on with bonzo butter um as well but, um, yeah, that's like, I do have probably like three other flavors created just, you know, one day I was like, I just want to go, just go for it. Play. Product development yeah. is like what makes me run. I, I just love it. Um, and so I have a few ideas and I really imagine it being sort of like the halo top of the spread market where they just came out okay. with flavor after flavor after flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they just they took so much market share. There are just mm-hmm. so many companies coming out with those pint size, like little, like, uh, cartons and yep. everybody always talks about halo top. So either their branding, well, I think their branding was on point too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing that sort of exists like that in the spread market. Um, with just like, not even crazy, but just flavors that haven't been produced before. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to hopefully be that for people. That's a really cool vision. Cause yeah, it's again, like stuff like that. It's I don't think it's known or really even thought about too much. But yeah, like you said, Halo Top has done a great job. I mean, I know I can sit down and crush one of those. Yeah, little, right. Little and because you feel less guilty. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I but, mean, I'm the same way with ice with normal ice cream too. Yeah, though. no, me too. I can't control myself. <laughs> um, but I also think like having a ton of flavors in um, uh, would help. Like, so not necessarily everyone's gonna like the original flavor because it's nutty. But like, if you really like peanut butter, it might just not you might just not favor it. Like you might mm-hmm. just still want to eat your peanut butter. Yeah. But if I'm coming out with like a cinnamon raisin flavor, a strawberry flavor, like peanut butter is not giving that to you. So you'll still be, you'll still um, want the product. So I'm really trying to cater to sort of everybody. Yeah. Um, and I hope that I can find some ways to finance it um, soon or right after I graduate so that I can continue to sell some. Yeah. It's like, it's like how I view tea, honestly. It's the same thing where I really believe that there's a tea that someone out there is going to enjoy. Because um, I've had some very unique, uniquely flavored teas before. And the typically the, the response that I get for people um, who've tried tea and just don't really like it is like, yeah, it's too bitter. And, and they've had like one tea, it's been like way oversteeped. And it's like a Lipton green tea bag or something like that. And it's like, that's not like, <laughs> let me, can I, can I make a cup of tea? for yeah. you? <laughs> Cause like, like you said, the, the fun part, I love like buying just herbs and just tea like in, in bulk and then make, I make my own and awesome. I just like mix up my own and I'm into like the health benefits too behind like what each herb like reportedly does. Unfortunately, like the, the science behind it's always weird because there's not much research done in it because it's not a well-funded um, area. Um, but it's, yeah, I kind of like to combine a good flavor and something that is going to help boost maybe your your mind, your your mental focus, maybe just give you an energy boost, maybe boost your immune system, something like that. And like you said, it's the that's the fun part of, of this. It's kind of like getting up and, and getting to like, what can I try today that I've never tried before? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it sucks. Have you had one that you've made that like just sucks? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, <laughs> so I wanted this to work, but um, I just, I, I always, you know, every few months look at um, these, these websites of flavor companies that have like trend reports mm-hmm. and some of them I'm like, Oh, like, you know, that was, that was trendy a while ago. Like this isn't up to date, but they, they do so much research, um, to even like print those reports. And I just keep seeing floral everywhere. Um, and like lavender and, mm-hmm. um, actually one of my lab mates who has already graduated did literally her whole dissertation on, lavender and vanilla and if they help reduce stress um when you eat or drink them um i think she was more focused on the drinking aspect but yeah um lavender definitely did show some promise uh to make you less stressed so amazing i bought some lavender um and i um put lavender and vanilla together i've seen it as a flavor before i wanted this beautiful purple (laughs) (laughs) Um, bonzo butter however it just looks like original with um lavender seeds in it (laughs) um but i cannot stand the taste of floral like i if it had just been vanilla it would have been delicious but um i don't know i've been to a lavender farm before and um my parents and my sister were just 
like in love with all of the products and I like could barely even stand in the gift shop. I was like, this is so much. And then you go outside and it's literally the farm is lavender. So it's like all in the air. And I'm like, I am not having fun. Um, Oh man. So maybe I'm an unpopular opinion because I don't like floral scents, but um, that one was a big fail. Like capital F would never (laughs) sell it to anybody. That's yeah. That's interesting. I I love lavender, so I literally every single night, pretty much, I drink some some version of lavender tea, and I have in my diffuser lavender. I put lavender oil on my neck, on my wrists. It's like I'm I'm loaded up with it. I think so. you're a typical person. Like most people <laughs> do like lavender. Yeah, it's a. I think there was one time I had uh, the opportunity, like when I was in when we were in high school. I went to Hawaii and my family, we all biked down like a volcano. And there was one point that I remember in this biking, I I didn't see the lavender field, but we like dropped down into something and I got smacked in the face with this just beautiful lavender. Oh, oh. It would have been horrible <laughs> for you. <laughs> but I love, like, it was just like a, like a big, like right to the face and like, I was like immediately calm. I was like, oh, this is nice. Like, this is peaceful. Um, do you remember what island you were on? Um, we So we were on a cruise, and so we hopped around to different islands. I don't remember which one this Because the this lavender farm I went to was on Maui. <laughs> oh, so, so maybe it was it, Maui. And it was like, yeah, it was a really steep whatever. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, that Honestly, it very That's hilarious. Well but... Yeah, it's uh oh man, I like I said, that was like one thing like literally by even just remembering it mm-hmm. and talking about it right now, I can like feel the sensation of just being like immediately calm and just like in my own thoughts like wow, this is amazing. Like I'm in Hawaii surrounded by lavender. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful day. It's like this is heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, I wish I wish I liked floral scents because a lot yeah. of my friends have candles and I'll go mm-hmm. over and I'll just be like be nice <laughs> don't tell them to undo their candle or or uh, uh extinguish it i guess yeah, but yeah yeah so fruity's kind of your it sounds like that's your that's your jam yeah i like fruity for some reason i'm i just love the smell of like fresh apple so mm. i buy a lot of things in that scent i love cranberries the smell of cranberries i also do mm. like some of the like fall um, like leaves and cinnamon type of oh, okay. smells from Bath and Body Works. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm so averse to um, florals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Everyone's kind of got their their things. Like, see, like vanilla for me. I love. That. I'm not. I'm not the biggest. Like, it's. Not, I'm not really against it. I love vanilla flavor. Vanilla smell, though, for some reason, I don't like which is weird like it's weird when i like a flavor but i Mm -hmm. don't like the smell of it or vice versa i think that's like more common than you think probably like i i'm i'm thinking the thing that comes to mind right away is watermelon um i'm addicted to watermelon yeah but the artificial smell when a candle is watermelon scented no thank you (laughs) yeah that sounds not what watermelon's about and maybe Mm -hmm. they just shouldn't make watermelon candles (laughs) yeah um but yeah i i I definitely think it could change depending on like what application you have 
Yep. Um, also, tech like your texture desires change too. So like maybe you don't like um, mushy, maybe you don't like mushy um, avocado, mm-hmm. but you you like avocado when it's like I don't like, know firm yeah, or like something, firm, or yeah. you like or you think that you don't like the um, texture of like uh, gummy, but there's like one gummy thing that you love. And that's oh, what yeah. makes my research really hard because the kids <laughs> yeah. are just like, well, I like some things with that. And I'm like, all right, well, think about if yeah. like what you like the most. Um, and if, if there's more foods that, that you like with that texture or less like uh, or that you don't like with that texture. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I'm trying to think of from something for myself that I, I don't have like a good example. But yeah. Um, I, my example is like, I don't like marshmallows, (laughs) um, which is also an unpopular opinion, but I'll eat a s'more because the texture is just like gooey and it's with other things. Yeah. Um, but when I you just, say marshmallows, do you mean just like uncooked marshmallows? Yeah, just like yeah, I bag. agree with you though. Those are yeah. Those no, are but weird. some people pop them like like they just uh, keep no. eating them. Um, you need to roast that thing. Yeah, it and needs to be roasted. And mine has to be like charred, which oh, I know is that. not good for you. Yeah, but I'm that kind, yeah. Kind of I'm person. all a nice golden brown, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have the yeah. patience. <laughs> don't have the patience. Yeah, just stick it in, burn it, and eat <laughs> yeah. it. Blow it off, and then you get yours more. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting how like you're different, like a smell can be a really bad smell for like a cheese, but then it tastes really good. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Got to yeah. use all of your sensory modalities. Yeah. So what's what's like the deal with the change of like your taste buds over time? Like because like recently... I've kind I've always hated olives and blue cheese and recently I've kind of I wouldn't say I like them now but I'm like these are actually not as bad as I thought and like I've kind of been just away from them for such a long time because I've I don't know I just know that I typically didn't like them so like what's up with that <laughs> <laughs> Um I like wouldn't take everything I say as like the fact um I could share my opinion. You will be held at law for this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know necessarily, but um, I was the same way with avocados. Um, I think it was more of like, I just never tried them and I thought they looked gross. And then I I tried them in college and I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know too much about your, like the, your taste buds, like, um, the way that they like grow and then some of them like leave and then, you know, you Mm -hmm. can form new ones or whatever. I know a bit more about like the receptors um, that are on your taste buds. Um, But my guess is that just over time, um, either you're able to handle more of whatever it is. So like if you thought they were really bitter before um, maybe you you know, just adapt to liking that. Um, it can also have to do with context. Like if you need to have coffee every day um, and you don't like the taste, well, you're going to start liking the taste because you yeah. need it. Um, but yeah, I think over time, uh, the bi- biology of your tongue, it does cha- like, it does change. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically like if, if you're really, um, 
if you have like, uh, there's this thing called super tasters. I don't yes, want to get heard, into this like well, too much. Why? But why? Um, I'm in. So if you have like, ex, if you have more um, bitter receptors than you know typical person, because we all yeah. like differ in our receptors, um, you might be like just so aware of even the slight amount of bitterness in anything. Um, and it's that like, and other people might just have like the normal amount and you know, it's coffee, you know, it's bitter, whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're, but you just have this like hypersensitivity, um, to it. So I think that like, maybe as things change, you, you're like, your taste buds sort of allow you to become more, um, able to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that could totally be a hundred percent false, but that's what I, that's what I would think, um, yeah. happens. I also just think as you grow older, things don't look as disgusting to you as when you were like a kid. Um, I still don't like olives, <laughs> but <laughs> if I had to eat it, I wouldn't be as, cre- I wouldn't act as repulsed as I would have as a kid. As a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think kids like also, they like to be dramatic too. Right. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) usually you're picking like, usually that's why I'm studying children because you are your likely the most picky when you're young. Um, And some people grow out of it. Some people don't. Um, But it's, it's just like so much more evident in um, adolescence than it is in people that are older. So like maybe you're super picky when you're younger, you don't want olives, but now you're like, you grew out of it. You're fine with olives. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard, and I don't know, is this, because you, you were saying, like, your kind of, your taste buds change. I've heard every seven years your taste buds change. Is that is that a real thing, or is that a myth? I don't know enough to speak on, on okay. that. I, I do know that they adapt over time, because um, one girl is actually doing um, really interesting work, and she, for her project, uh I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, actually, <laughs> but she does, stuff be, with, yeah. she does stuff with the tongue. Okay. Um, and it's it's really cool research, um, but uh, essentially, um, she sort of marks up people's tongue like on a computer screen. She'll get an image yeah. and then like um, be able to identify like the formations on their tongue. And everybody is so so different. Mm. Um, so I can imagine things change a lot. Um, also, mm-hmm. you're like always you eat every day, so I can't imagine like something that comes into contact with rough food all the time is going to just remain the same. Yeah. Um, but I'd have to do some more digging on that, which I probably will later before bed or something. Cause I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my, my advisor definitely would know an answer. Um, I, sh- I should probably know the answer. <laughs> I would, I would be interested if you, if you do any more research, I'll let you know, let me know. Cause yeah, it's just like things like that. I don't know. I've heard like, that's something I've heard since like childhood. And I'm like, now I'm like finding out like more things like that where it's like oh that actually wasn't true it's like well what else is not true <laughs> like <laughs> oh my god I? there's so many things my friends make fun of me all the time because all the things that i preach like not everything but a lot yeah. of things that i preach are absolutely not right and they will like check fact check me and yes. i'm just like all right i was wrong goodbye <laughs> <laughs> in the era of fact checking yeah which, this is like yeah it's like 
you gotta sometimes be careful with what you say. You say something confidently, and then all of a sudden, someone's like, "No, uh, uh-uh. uh," and yeah. so like, "This is not right." So, anybody listening right now, if uh, if you if you don't want to trust my opinion, that's okay. I don't think I have a hundred percent confidence in anything that I said. <laughs> I wouldn't say anything. Maybe the I stuff would. about bonzo butter, but all the bonzo science butter, stuff, I'd have to do a little bit more research. And all the research that you've been doing. You've been doing some great research as well. Like I was like, don't sell yourself short. No, come on. <laughs> I don't want anyone coming after me. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get canceled after this. <laughs> after this podcast. On my first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think you'll be okay. I haven't heard anything too controversial yet on this. So you should be, you should be good. Well, okay. Is there anything else? And I guess in regards to bonzo butter, spark snacks, like that you want to talk about that you want to just share. Yeah. Let people know. I think the only thing that I I touched on before, but uh, didn't do my whole spiel um, is that like, I really, I personally very much care about people that have dietary restrictions or feel excluded from certain snacking situations or eating situations um, because of those like restrictions. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of that, I just ask everybody to like try to be more aware and try to be a better advocate for the people that you know that have either food allergies or intolerances or, you know, what have you Um, just, you know, stomach problems, things like that. Um, because it really makes a difference for them when there's an option that is edible and nutritious um, that isn't just like a salad or or something else. Yeah. So like if you're having a wedding, think about those guests and um, really make sure they're taken care of because if you had an allergy, you would want your friends to do the same thing. Um, and yeah. yeah. And we yeah. all know somebody affected. Yeah, so. and it's like and it's such an easy thing just to ask someone like, "Hey, do you have an allergy? There's anything I need to know about?" And mm-hmm. even that question, like I said, or I've asked enough people now, like in regards to like tea stuff. Like if I'm making someone a tea, that's like something I'll just ask right away because there's there has only been one guy who's told me he's like, "Yeah, anything with sunflower," he's like, "Yeah, I will go straight to the hospital," and I'm like good to know. And I'm like, what about these flowers? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, we're going to stay away from those. <laughs> just right. like, I don't want, I don't want to, to be that person who sends you to the hospital. So I'm like, let's stick with something that we know is not related to the sunflower. And I don't know if that's how allergies work, but for me being oh, yeah. I mean, uneducated. Yeah. You don't want to deal with that. Um, I wouldn't want somebody sick on my, my watch or on my yeah. account. Um, which is why I, you know, told people this first run, this was made on charity equipment. And so if you're somebody that, um, needs needs to have um, needs to have the knowledge that it's made on not shared equipment. Then I wouldn't suggest that you eat it this round. However, I'm working my hardest to get to the point where you can you know enjoy it as well. Um, and then the only other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, whoever is listening or whatever, um, if you have been a part of the Bonzo Butter journey at all, just thank you so much for like you know, believing in me and um, helping me to sort of see the light some days when it seemed to be totally uh, dark. So I just, I want to make sure that people know that um, they're, they're so valuable in this like adventure. Um, If I did like, yes, I'm a one person team, but that's somewhat not true. Like I have, you know, 20, 30 people all the time talking about Bonzo Butter with me. Um, 
from my first taste testers to like the people that bought at the launch. Um, so mm. just wanted to make sure I'd give them a little shout out because everything they've done has gotten me here. Yeah. And it's important. I mean, when you're starting a new business, a new adventure, whatever it is, the little things of support go such a long way. Like literally sharing something on, on a social media account, writing a review, doing those little things like it takes such little time out of your day and really i it really adds to to like my day like the times that i've experienced it like when it's just like been spontaneous too because i've asked people to do it shamelessly i'll, I'll oh, ask I'm, people I'm to, the same way <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll be like hey write me a review <laughs> and then they do sometimes and i'm like awesome sweet mm -hmm. but when i've when it's happened without me pushing or prodding it's such a, like an endorphin rush and everything mm -hmm. and like it really gives you that motivation to keep moving forward like to feel like you're you're making a difference you're making an impact and so if you don't know how to support or if you don't feel financially able to support amy like with bonzo butter do it in other ways by following her on social media sharing the, the accounts um listening to this podcast and sharing it with friends so that you get to know amy a little bit better and i mean and I'd like that too, selfishly. <laughs> spread, spread the Team Egos podcast a little too. But um, no, I, that's a that's a really important note to, I think, um, kind of cap this this episode on. So is there anything else though? You good? Um, no, I just love garbanzo beans. <laughs> yeah, garbanzo beans. So yeah, where can people find, um, find so, you at? Um, so right now, if you go to our website, um, it is www.bonzobutterbrand.com. Um, you will see that everything is sold out. Um, so I put that there because I am just trying to focus on writing my dissertation right now. So for about two more months, um, I am not going to be producing jars. Sorry about that. Um, but it'll be worth it when I have the degree that I've worked really hard for. Um, yeah. and, uh, in the meantime, I am looking for like partnerships for like wholesale opportunities. So if you know anybody, um, either local or not, that is interested in maybe having Bonzo Butter on their menu or in their store, let me know. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. So yeah, check them out. Bonzo Butter on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Bonzo and Butter Brand. Bonzo Butter Brand on Instagram and bonzobutterbrand.com. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It was really nice catching up. Good catching up. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you to Amy and the Bonzo Butter team. Remember to check out the butters at bonzobutterbrand.com or on Instagram at bonzobutterbrand. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and leave a five-star review. And to end the show, today's Urban Dictionary tea word of the day. Now, today's word is not tea-related, but it is related to the conversation. So today's word is garbanzo. Garbanzo means something is garbage, or worthless, or pathetic. That was absolutely garbanzo. Don't ever say it again. Definition number two, garbanzo. Verb, to garbanzo. Garbanzoing, garbanzoed. Hmm. One, uh, this is the first definition within definition number two. One, flatulence caused by consumption of legumes without prior use of vino. Two, to stink up a room with silent but very deadly gas. And three, to secretly sneak gas-causing food into someone's meal while pretending to cook them something out of love. Definition number three, garbanzos, a woman's breasts. Wow, that's a new one. 
Number four, garbanzo, a way of saying something is terrible, garbage, trash. And that's it. There you have it, garbanzo. Thank you all for joining so much. Appreciate you. Love you. Have a great day.